from the host that brought you to Coding Westworld. And Westworld the Recapables. Comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast uh, on Westworld. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker. Welcome to Westworld Season 4 and the Prestige TV podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld Season 4. Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige TV podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better than ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. Into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are Jonny the Explainer. I did on You've Got Questions, He's Got Answers. We are Steve Almond Joy, the Cuddly Summer Bear. We are Old Man Van, he of the receding hairline. And we are Coke Baby Chuck, the 24 karat closer. Together, we are known as the Midnight Boys. Okay. This Thursday, Joanna will be joined by. Me, Van, Steve, this makes no sense. I am Van. Yeah. Me, Van, to give our reactions on the third episode of Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel, which the MCU community is loving, right? They're, uh, Watch it, everybody. Everybody is loving Ms. Marvel. And it's not as if these fandom communities are made up by racist incels or anything like that. That's surely not the case, right? It's surely not the case that having a character out here and a really fun show to watch. Episode two was good, not great, but a fun show to watch, a very fun show to watch, isn't exposing how some of you are fucking pathetic. Speak on it. Grow up. I'm sick of having this conversation with you guys. I'm sick of, it seems like to me, a lot of you take down your Tony Stark poster and under it is a Confederate flag. Not playing nice with you guys. Grow the fuck up. How about that? Um, <laughs> now, uh, House of R will return. The adults in the room. Joanna Mal will be back. Mal. Joanna Mal will be back uh, to give you their deep dive on the season finale of Obi Wan. Wait, can I ask you a quick question? Because you keep what? calling Mal Mal. Mm-hmm. How good a, would a podcast between Mal and Mal from the <laughs> formerly from the Joe Budden podcast be? First of all, you don't have to say formally from the Joe Budden podcast because Maul has his own podcast. Well, Rory and Maul. New Rory and Maul. So why would you say? Because I don't because it would have sounded weird. If I'm like, 
I shout don't even know these people Rory. in real life. Why shout am I out, explaining myself? Shout out to my boy Rory. Shout out to my boy Maul. They ain't formerly of nothing. They are currently on the new Rory and Maul podcast. Boy, <laughs> I tell you what, Charles. Charles Holmes, formerly of Rolling Stone. Nah, you work at the ringer. <laughs> I am formerly from that place. What's wrong? Nah, you don't want to. Ain't no for van like formerly of TMZ. Nah, I work we at the ring. We don't leave TMZ. Like, like I still got people over there. It's fine. Whatever. Shout out, shout out to them. Shout out to you're. A, you Rolling like Stone. to burn bridges and watch them burn. I haven't burned any bridges. Shit, they burned the bridge anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm talking about. I'm just joking. I'm still, I'm and on Sunday, the, I am really excited for this. No doubt about it. If we could ever get through programming reminders without joking. So we have so much fun. And on Sunday, Mint Edition returns to give their thoughts on season three of the Umbrella Academy. You guys, I love the Umbrella Academy. Wow. It's a very, very fun show for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that we probably, if we had not had one of the best new podcasts in fandom, which is Mint Edition, we probably wouldn't have been able to cover it. I am so glad that on the Ringiverse somebody is covering it. I really enjoy the Umbrella Academy, and for some reason, Steve and Jomi are not super excited. Oh, we we got excited. I like to think we have some thoughts what? for sure. No, bruh, damn. I had God damn so no. much fun. No, you want to know was what a I great love? season of television. To we need point. to there there has there is the discussion to be no, had. No, see, 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 here's the thing, Van. Let's be real. Joe, me, and Steve on the Midnight Boys like to pop in and out, like to be the good guys. When they are Min Edition, it's easy to be Coke Baby. It's easy to be the Coke Baby. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. just hey, like guys, stay by your takes, okay? I, I want hey, you to stay by I your will, takes. I, 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 my feet are planted, buddy. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> I can't wait for the pot. I oh no, we're getting into it. People will be, things will be revealed to the audience. <laughs> you guys haven't really, nobody does this, by the way. You guys haven't, you guys should do that, by the way. All right, Man. three, two, one. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, your rhythm's off. Uh, your rhythm's off, Steve. That makes uh, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, no, I'm on ones and threes, you know. It's light skin. It's fun. Mm -hmm. All right, um, on today's show, we're going to be taking a look at the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as well, we're going to be discussing Thor in the hood. Hmm. Thor. Ooh. <laughs> As guardians in the hood. Why are they do oh this? Oh my this way? god. <laughs> We're gonna be talking about the controversial uh Miles Morales Thor crossover, which it shouldn't be controversial at all. But we're gonna discuss it. All right, we're about five minutes in. We gotta discuss it. It'll be one, baby. Uh before we get into this, even though you guys are listening to a reaction podcast, you still need to be babied. And so we'll baby you right now with the spoiler warning. Go ahead. We're getting ready to talk about General Kenobi. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Yes, they are. But before they come, we have to make sure that we are in the no for this season finale of Obi-Wan. And the only way we can do that is having Charles bring us up to speed with the Midnight Manifest. Guys, this is the final Midnight Manifest for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Part six, directed by Deborah Chow, story by Stuart Betty. 
Joby Harold and Andrew Stanton, teleplayed by Joey Joby Harold, Andrew Stanton, and Hossein Amini. We start. Reva shows up on Tatooine looking for Luke. Aloka warns Owen about Reva, and along with Beru, they hide Luke away in a space cellar and decide to defend him from Reva. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan, Leia, and the Path are being chased by Vader and the Empire. Obi-Wan decides the only way to buy enough time for the Path to escape is to lure Darth Vader away in a ship by himself. Obi-Wan lands on the planet to face Vader. He finds Lola in his pocket, which Leia seems to have hidden there to give him some strength that he desperately needs. The duel is pretty evenly split until Vader uses the Force to bury Obi-Wan under a pile of rocks. Obi-Wan uses his memories of Luke and Leia to give him the power to lift up the rocks. Then the tide of the duel begins to shift as Obi-Wan uses a barrage of those rocks to hurt Vader before damaging the life support system that helps keep him alive. Obi-Wan then walks away from the duel, realizing that he's lost Anakin forever. On Tatooine, young Luke is chased through the mountains by Reva, but the third sister has a change of heart about killing the boy when she realizes she's no better than Anakin during Order 66. Reva, Bing, Reva brings back an unconscious Luke to Owen, Beru, and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan returns to Lo Lola, to Leia, and their bond is cemented forever. With everything settled, Obi-Wan reconnects with Ben and is introduced to Luke for the first time, and we get to hear that iconic line, Hello there! As Obi-Wan travels into the desert, he finally meets Qui-Gon's Force Ghost, and everyone lives happily ever after until a new hope. The end. Now that that's out of the way, let's get it. Let's get let's, to the main let, event. Let, 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's get to the main Charles is hot right now. Whoa! whoa. Like a virgin on prom night. Charles, you at least got to kiss a little bit first, bro. Come on, man. What the hell is going on? Okay? We've just walked into the Motel 6. Be a gentleman. All right. Can we get to... Can we stop? It's the reactions. Let's go. Jomi. I like this episode of television. Yes. I thought it was a cool episode of TV. Mm. Steve. It, it offered some of the highest highs and most frustrating lows of this entire season should i go first charles or should you go first no you go first i'm gonna let you go i'll first. go first fucking fantastic i don't even know what the low lows are really considered i thought it was amazing i thought they did some things that star wars i think i thought i think as i stutter through excitement i think that i got a feeling in this episode watching certain things that happened in this episode that I haven't had in Star Wars in decades. Remember, I'm old. There's a Star Warsian feeling that creeps up through your body, right? A Star Warsian feeling where, where, where all of these things come together and create this perfect moment of hope, despair, longing, and anticipation. And that's what Star Wars is, right? Luke is on Dagobah. He's going to go back. He's going to help his friends. You know he has to. You're hopeful that he does it, but you know that he shouldn't. And you're, 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 uh, you're like a little baby, right? Like a little baby. You're tucked in and you, you, you want to get out, but you're tucked in. Hadn't felt that way in a while, to be honest with you. And there are moments in this episode where I felt this way. I thought it was perfect and some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. I make no apologies. Charles, what do you think? Jomi, Steve, do you guys got a got like a pen and pad? I want y'all to take down my KFC order. Because my ass is about to snitch. Okay? Uh, <laughs> late, uh, all right. Late at night, your boy, your boy's getting ready for bed, okay? I live on the East Coast. And I get a phone call from, from my bud, one of the most important people to me in this world, Mr. Mm -hmm. Van Lathan, okay? 
Van, Van picks up. He got an attitude. Oh. I, like, I know. He's been talking to all the Midnight Boys trying to get us pumped for tomorrow. He's like, yo. Not trying to get right. pumped. I was scared. And I called every single member of this podcast. Every single member. He did. He did. <laughs> yes, he and, did. Like, he, like, he's selling me. He's like, all right, yo. Like, Chuck, don't fake the funk. You got to be real. If this shit is mid, you got to be real. Don't da 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 Like, one out of ten. Is this going to be good? This is going to be bad? And I'm like, damn, like, really, Van is worried? And, like, my man Van is trying to tell me, like, I got you, Charles. We got to be real about this. So for you to get on this podcast today, after, like, really. Fuck? What are you talking about? Really, like, hyping me up, being like, we got to be real about this. We got to be real about this. For you to say this is perfect TV. Come on, man. Okay. Like, this was good. Like, to, to Jomi's point, there are good points in this TV show. But you cannot tell me some of the choices, the non, the non-Obi-Wan Darth Vader choices are perfect. Like, come on. Like, Van, like, really? Really? Okay, so, so let me tell you something. What really? is a perfect? What is a perfect choice? What is perfect? Perfect isn't execution. Perfect is feeling. Because when we're talking about no. story. <laughs> I, 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 okay. No, don't, no, 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 you bet. Can I, you can I, finish, can I finish making my point? I'm not backpedaling <laughs> at all. Finish. That's what Darrell Revis did. I don't backpedal. This is what I'm saying. I, I can't tell you what perfect execution is because the story is the story itself. Like, when we talk about perfect execution, I mean, are we talking about from a, a structure point? Because to me, I didn't see anything structurally wrong. What I saw, to be honest with you, was some really important moments between the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker that filled in some emotional beats that, to me, make perfect sense within the continuity of Star Wars canon. Perfect sense within the continuity of Star Wars canon, right? Like, after Obi-Wan leaves... I'm just going to talk about that one scene. After Obi-Wan leaves... I, but I... What did I say? I said non-Obi-Wan Vader, because I know okay, that a lot okay, of people fine. Okay, like, we're talking Vader. about everything so around this episode. Talk about everything around it, then. Like, seriously, let's get into it, because this is what we do on this podcast, because I'm riding hard for Obi-Wan. Right, so, so here's the thing. All right. I have to do it. What the fuck is going on with Reva at the oh, end of this episode? Uh, guys, Reva is... And I'm sorry to say this, the Reva character is the biggest albatross of this entire but, season. But here's the thing, that's 50, 50% of the episode. I wouldn't say 50%. Is, damn near. Is Reva going, whatever percentage, 40, 30, going to Tatooine to hunt down Luke? The Ben fight at the, at the farm was just some of, just kind of honestly not great stuff I've seen in Star Wars in terms of just execution. And then for her to chase down Luke and then now realize after everything we've been through, am I just like Anakin killing kids? I'm like, yo, Reva, you didn't realize that when uh, when Vader was snapping kids next? A couple of episodes, like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, that to me, if we're talking about a perfect episode, you can't have a perfect episode of TV when, like, the villain we are supposed to care about has a nothing plot, where I felt absolutely nothing. I was just like, can we please just get back to the main, the main course, please? So, let me tell you what my pushback is. Did you enjoy the Duel of the Fates lightsaber scene? In Phantom Menace, yeah. Yeah, you enjoyed it, right? Yes, third. You realize that during this duel of the face lightsaber battle, they keep cutting away to what I consider to be a pretty whack scene, which is 
the Battle of Naboo and everything that's going on. It's pretty... Steve, jump in. I'm like kind of like firmly on a flipped coin between Charles and you, Van, with how great this episode and how frustrating this episode can be. And I think it's to that point because it's the fact that we are getting probably some of the most enthralling and emotionally cathartic moments that Star Wars can give us. And then it is being interrupted constantly by something that we are continuously not caring about. And, and here's the thing, but, but see, the point, the Duel point of the is, Fates is amazing. Duel of the Fates is amazing. But I'm not going to get on a podcast and be like, yeah, Phantom Menace was a perfect movie. Because, like, here's the thing. No, like, there's, there's much more Phantom Menace than, than, than just... You guys are missing... My point is this. How bad would the Reva stuff have had to have been to take away from the kinetic energy of this episode? And I don't think it was bad enough. But you said that this episode is perfect, which I'm like... Perfect. Once again, once again, when I say perfect, I mean, I'm talking about the feeling. <laughs> there are very few things that are com- co- created in art that are perfect, right? I love Inception. It's not perfect. Okay? I love There Will Be Blood. It's not perfect. I mean, it's, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's not perfect, but it is, it is, it, 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 it's pretty close. It, like, it, it's, it's pretty close to perfect, right? Um, so... So, like, I love No Country for Old Men. It's not perfect, but as long as the the uh, the dramatic energy of the best parts of your movie are able to be maintained without interruption and destruction by the movie's worst parts, to me, the best parts of the film or the song, whatever it is, that like it, it, they went out right. And to Wait. me, I think the I think the worst parts are actually elevated. To be honest with you by the best parts of what's going on. Because when <laughs> when, when Obi-Wan comes to Reva at the end, the scene isn't without meaning. Like, it, it it's it, it's not without meaning. I didn't, it it, it kind of But did works. you feel anything? I, I didn't feel anything. I think the whole thing is, like, the, we've been talking about the Reva thing for a long time, so I think it's a symptom of the entire series, really. Whereas Darth Vader, Obi-Wan... You know, we got a little bit in, in episode three, but episode six, like we get the the whole meat and potatoes, right? We get the entire, you know, them realizing like this is it. Like we're really not boys no more. Like this is over, over. And so to Van's point, that's where the emotional stakes lie. That's where, you know, it hits home in this episode specifically. We're, we're talking about the river thing for like five weeks now, right? At this point, right? So, it is, you know, when it's, not, when it's not hitting, we know it's not hitting. It ain't been hitting at all. Right, but this Obi Wan, this uh, Anakin, that was that was what you came here to see, and, that, and it delivered. So I will say this: I'm, if I'm going to be positive, I one thing I do love about Obi Wan as a character is that I think the reason people he's most people's favorite Jedi, maybe not mine, but most people's favorite Jedi, is that he's the rare character in the series who has these powers. Who's like every fight that Obi Wan is in, he should not be winning. If we're being real. Phantom Menace, he should not win against Darth Maul. There is nothing telling you as a character that like he should be powerful enough to take somebody down who just killed his master. He does it. When you watch Clone Wars and he's going off against Maul and Savage at the same time, you're like, there is no way Obi-Wan is going to get out of this. But because of who he is as a character, the grit he has, the determination he has, the way he uses his brain, you're always like, he's going to find a way. Whether that's Grievous, whether that's Asajj, that's what I love about him deep down is he's not Anakin. 
He's not the chosen one. He doesn't have these powers. He doesn't have these midi- this midichlorian count that is going to make him so powerful. So that's when he wins. That's why you feel for him. And that's why I love the previous episode with their duel because I'm just like, that tells you so much about who he is as a character. I liked the Vader and Obi-Wan fight to a point. I will say the thing that I brushed up against, there were cool moments when Obi-Wan is using the force and lifts up all those rocks. I'm like, God damn, this is the man. I love you, Obi-Wan. Loved it. When he slashes Vader's face and you see Hayden Christensen revealed, loved it. The thing about the fight that I brushed up against visually is that it didn't really seem iconic. It almost seemed like it was for TV in a little bit. It, it, didn't is, get, it is for TV, yeah. But here's the thing. To me, Star Wars is cinematic. Star Wars is, if you was like, to choose one movie that shows you the power of movies, you'd be like, Empire Strikes Back. This is literally what movies are supposed to be. And when they were fighting, I didn't get that iconic feel that I get when I watch Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar. This planet just seemed like kind of a play like this just seemed like something that would have been on earth it seemed a little bit small even though the emotions that were paying off were so big and i do think those were handled well and am i being a hater no you're not being a hater at all you're not being a hater at all but but i but you are being weird weird what because let, let, let me let me explain to you guys why all right i let all you motherfuckers talk and it's time for me to filibuster again Van filibusters. <laughs> Van the Buster. Van the Buster. Van the Buster. I like that's a new good new nickname. Van the Buster. Van, Van the Buster. No, no, number one, couple Buster of things. It, it's a te- it, it, it is a television show, right? It, it's a television show, and because it's a television show, it's going to be very difficult to capture the scope of what we see. Steve, what? Mandalorian is also a television show, though. It's completely. It's <laughs> the, 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 the Steve. But but speak but, on it. <laughs> But there's there there are differences though. You tell, yeah, one looks really good and the other doesn't. Well, but but, to, but the reason, but to but to me though, to compare Mando and the way things are happening in Mando. By the way, there are definitely times when Mando looks like a television show, with sure. out a doubt. But during sure. the most important parts, the 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 difference. Here, and by the way, Mando doesn't look like a film to me. It looks like a really well produced television show right i would agree that that's that's what it that's what it looks like here there i think this show is a lot more personal of a show than mando like i i I really do i think this show has i think we're i wouldn't say that we're paying attention more i would say we're hanging on every word more because mando is a character that we never see his face he's plopped into this world Things are happening around him, it seems like, more than they actually are to him. And we have a cute little distraction in a character that we never got to know before in Grogu, right? In this, when 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 Obi-Wan and Leia are walking through what we all know is Calabasas, right? And, and when, they're, <laughs> when they're walking through them, like... Because I'm looking at human characters, this is really the way I feel about it. By the way, you're, there's not this is not does not say that what you guys are saying isn't right. It's saying that I've actually punted on that. I've accepted that as part of what's going on. If we're being real, when Vader stops the ship, um, in the last episode, that looks fake. Oh, that the, was the, not good CGI. The, like the yeah. the the ship the 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 ship the the ship looks the the ship looks fake. It doesn't it doesn't look great. But at this point. 
I've adjusted expectations based upon the fact that this is a television show. I will say that the emotional stakes of this lightsaber battle, to me, I wasn't even paying attention to the scope and the scale of the show. Not at all. Mm -hmm. At points, you can tell that it's a television show, of course, but the scope and the scale of it, to me, were far outweighed by, number one, the choreography of the battle, which was fantastic. Number two, the force feats that that were being accomplished by the two characters, which were wondrous. And then number three, the emotional stakes of what was happening. I'll say something else about about uh, about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I actually pushed back on your assessment of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think that uh, the more you sort of study the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, raw force power is one thing in and of itself, right? But Qui-Gon lost to Darth Maul because he was getting older. Like he was, he was at that point 60, 61, 62 years old, right? And a lot of the ways that he used the force and the force form that he fought in, he couldn't keep up with Maul anymore because Maul was just straight up too athletic, too primed. And he he was getting old. That fight went on for a long time. And Qui-Gon ran out of gas. Qui-Gon, maybe at an earlier time, might have been able to, to, to deal with him. Number two, Obi-Wan is actually. I think part of this show shows you the skill of Kenobi because he's actually able to, as a defensive lightsaber duelist, use a lot of his enemies' dark side obsession against them. He represents this sort of fortress of the light to where he might not be able to attack you with his goodness, but he can almost defend anything with it. And I think the fact that he got stronger throughout this season, the more people he had to protect is a testament to the fact that what Obi-Wan really needs, his, he, he needs a cause. He needs something to fight for. And that brings out the best in him. He's at his most powerful when he's defending somebody or something. You know what I mean? So to me, I think part of seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of this become a more powerful version of himself than we have probably potentially seen him on screen before. I don't remember seeing Obi-Wan. I remember seeing him get deuced up by Dooku, right? When Dooku, at least in live action, right? Um, because the Clone Wars is kind of a different situation. But I remember him seeing get deuced up by Dooku twice, you know? But in, in this, I think he has had some time to understand what his true purpose is. And it's kind of like a Neo at the end of the Matrix moment. And it would make sense that he would have it in front of Vader. And the last thing I'll say is, Vader in this fight is understanding his limits. Because when the Emperor is talking to Vader at the end of this episode, the Emperor indicts Vader on whether or not seeing Kenobi weakens him because of the feelings that he might have and the connection to the light that he still might have. He might be a weaker version of himself when he fights Kenobi than than he is when he's fighting anyone else. And we know that to be true because eventually he just straight gives in to Luke a boy who he never really met, but who he knows is his son and has a connection to him in the Force. So it's like we we realize that Vader, he's evil, but his power has limits, and it's limited by Anakin Skywalker, who's still rattling around in there somewhere. Having having, having said that, Obi-Wan should have killed him. I'm not going to bullshit you. Obi-Wan. So that's, <laughs> what, that's, what I wanted, that's what I wanted to talk about. Where if we take the fight out of it, the thing that was frustrating me about this last episode is that when Hayden and 
and McGregor are on screen together, they're electric. I still think that they do have this brotherly bond that's like love and hate. I feel like you needed more from them throughout this season to make this fight make sense because at the end of the fight, Obi-Wan realizes he's like, Anakin, this isn't Anakin anymore. Anakin says, I'm not Anakin anymore. I'm Vader. At that point, Obi-Wan walks away and I'm literally like, we, you, I realize for canon reasons you can't, but motherfucker kill him. Like, yeah, Obi-Wan sure is like legit, well, like, I he could have ended the Empire right there. Like, what? That's tough. That is tough. That makes no logical, I don't know like, if he would have ended right the there. Empire, but that would have been, I, I'm it would have been the beginning, but. yeah, that would have been certainly the beginning of the end of the Empire because, you know, we still know that Sidious on the side was, you know, training Mara Jade and, you know, you know no, he wasn't because they took away everything that I love. So That's tough. Uh, she let's might not, she actually, get the EU. She, she might actually not have been born by then, but at some point he starts training her. Maybe when Luke is a little older, I, you know, he get married. I think it's weird to, she you know, slide a television show for looking like a t television show. Like that's what television shows do, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, whoa, 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 whoa. I think part of the bro, if you bring up Agents of Shield, by the way, Mar Marge definitely wasn't born before the Star Wars nerds get on. Right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But let let's be real, Disney Plus was marketing this as a limited series, an event series. If you're gonna, if you are going to market something as this is an event, I'm not going to judge it like this is another episode of whatever show you like to watch in high school in high school or college with the the fair sex show me i'm just going to say if you call it an event <laughs> that's what i'm gonna judge it as damn I, well, what? We, we we getting at each other this is the fuck yeah, i like <laughs> <laughs> listen hey i mean we'll talk about it later but they said season finale you know what i mean so but my, my bigger point i think it was all about the emotion it's all about Anakin and Obi-Wan. They could have fought anywhere. They could have fought at any place. Like, it really didn't matter. It was just about them two having that moment, having that sense of, oh, this is for show, like the end of me believing that Anakin is still somewhere in there for Obi-Wan. That was what it was all about. So, like, I wasn't really worried about, hearing, oh, like, man, Charles, the hearing thing. his voice. You know, I fucking cried. Like, Dude, hearing, that like, was so... Like, hearing that was his tough. voice... Distorted I, look, with James Earl Jones. It was so amazing. Let me explain something to you guys. And it's something to me that I thought that this show had actually lost. I've rewatched the original trilogy, right? And, and rewatching the, the original trilogy, it's very easy to feel something for Vader, right? Because the most people that Vader fucks over in the original trilogy are other members of the Empire. Like he for, he 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 force chokes a bunch of the fucking lackeys, which is wrong. But these guys are the most oppressive, bad motherfuckers in the whole galaxy, right? He does other terrible shit. Don't get me wrong; he's very scary. But at the end, when he midway, really midway towards the end of Empire, Vader is like reaching out for his son and saying, "Hey, join me." And at that part, he kind of becomes a dad. You know what I mean? He still does terrible shit. Don't get me wrong. He kind of becomes a dad. So the redemption arc is easier to stomach by the end of Jedi because, you know, this is Luke's father and you have no idea what's happened in the past. Like this show and other stuff, reading the Vader comics, it had destroyed that for me. I'm like, yo, somebody get this guy off planet, uh, off planet, Tatooine planet, fucking Musafar. Get him out of the galaxy. He's bad. 
they actually were able to sell me again on the redemptive nature of Vader's character when I saw Skywalker still in there. I felt bad for him. I really didn't think that that was possible at this point, having watched him kill all of those people in Rogue One, having watched him snap all of those necks in this one, having read all the comic books, having known that in order to get his kyber crystal, he went to another planet and essentially destroyed the entire planet to fight one Jedi and take his lightsaber and make his crystal bleed. All of that stuff, I know, but like, he looks like he's tortured inside of there. I feel so bad for that little kid that was on that pod racer, and I remembered him. And it also, to me, made me feel that the prequels kind of worked on me. And Clone Wars definitely worked on me. I felt bad for Anakin little Skywalker guy inside of there. I felt tortured for him. And it's something like that that makes me easily believe that Obi-Wan could never kill Anakin or never be the one to kill Vader. Because I think that somewhere deep down that like he probably knows that even there's a little bit of him left in there. Because you see that and he eventually comes to the idea that you know the future will sort itself out. And I think that's the ultimate piece that we kind of come into with Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan. And seeing him face down Vader to know that like this isn't something for me to fix anymore. And it he he is lost, but he is forever lost to me is the important part. And that's that's something that's really hit home with this yeah. episode. Also he called him he called him Darth. They cleaned that up. Right. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They clean I, you guys think we're fucking stupid. We're not dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not dumb. We know it doesn't make any sense. You were retconning as you go. Oh, no, he called him Darth back in the day. So it's like something that he says. Oh, we know, motherfucker. Right. You know, you, call, you guys call City a City every single time, but you call him Darth for some reason. That was his name. Anyway, um, Charles, have you, has your, have, have you, you wave the white flag? It's the greatest episode of television ever. <laughs> not, not, not at all. I mean, here's the thing. I do agree that, like, it, it's so dope to see Hayden's face and to see uh, how destroyed he is and and to see that acting. Like, I, I want to give so much credit to Hayden. He has to do so much acting with just his eyes, with just his voice. Um, and that's so difficult. So to see him kind of be able to reclaim this character and realize that, like, hey, like, Hayden really can do the thing. I think the thing that maybe it's just, it's just the difference of how... I like to approach stuff like this is that I think the beauty of Star Wars is is that those original movies do not work unless everything is firing on all cylinders. Like when you see like a planet like Hoth, it's not just important that Hoth looks otherworldly. Something about that world, something about Dagobah, you know, whether you're seeing the swamp and you're seeing where Luke has to train and has to figure out something about himself, has to literally rise out of the muck and become something. When you see Hoth, how cold and bitter it is and how much it shows you how hardened um, this hero has become because he's a farm boy that now has to shoulder the galaxy on his... Like that, 
that's something that it's like really little because you'd be like, whoa, cool planet. But like story wise, it's doing something to you and you don't even notice it. I think when you guys are like, hey, it's a TV show. So of course it's not going to be a movie or hey, like these things aren't as important. I'm like, but the where they're fighting tells you something about it. Like it's cinematically, it's, it has that power. Nigga, to you me- were a kid. Dagobah looks mad fake. Are you fucking nuts? <laughs> like you were, like you were a child. No, Dagobah this isn't looks- about. No, this isn't about real or fake. Because I will say, like when you watch those original films, it doesn't matter if Yoda looks like a puppet. It doesn't look. It doesn't matter that Dagobah does not look like quote unquote a real swamp. Your the standards feeling, have changed. Is what the, I'm saying. No, the feeling of the planet. And how it connects to the story. The planet where Darth and and Obi-Wan are fighting is like, it's just like a lot of, it's a lot of rocks, uh, a lot of craggly shit. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But there's nothing about this that is iconic or would make me want to be like, okay, this is potentially going to be the last time these two fight before A New Hope. It's just like that's it's not reaching that level to me. And I don't want to be a hater about it, but I'm not being a hater. I do think we have to hold Star Wars because here's the thing Star Wars is one of our great stories. Like, not like a great story, one of the, the great stories. I hold it to that iconic level. Well, here's my thing, right? And Charles, you're really, you know, into like where they thought. There is like, (laughs) frankly, I could care less. They could have fought in my living room. Doesn't matter. I mean, you watch Agents of Shield. We know, uh, (laughs) Joe. No, we're getting personal. Here's the thing, right? (laughs) Wow. I feel so absolved this episode. We're getting personal. I love it. This is I love it. His helmet, his helmet cracks, and you you look into his eyes, and Obi-Wan looks upon Anakin for the first time since he left him on Mustafar. And it and it's almost an, an exact mirror to Twilight of the Apprentice and Rebels where Ahsoka sees Anakin for the first time since since they last parted. And just, like, put, just opposing those two moments, you know, in Rebels, it's his right eye. In this show, it's his left eye. And you realize that both of them go, go oh, like, that was, you know, for Anakin, mm. for, for Obi-Wan, that was his student. For Ahsoka, that was her master. And that now they both realize, oh, oh, he's lost to me. Like, they both have that look of, oh, he's gone. Like, the the person I love, the person, like, I would have died for well, so- is is now somebody else, unrecognizable, was just, was powerful, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. If that ain't hidden for you, y'all know what will, bro. I'm here's the thing. I, here's the thing. I think two things can be true at once. I think that there can be emotional parts of this fight that work and like worked on me. I'm not saying that this was like a terrible fight. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, hey, as a series, I did like Obi-Wan did not live up to when you're like, hey, we're getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi event. It did not live up to what I think that character means in terms of like This is the question. This is the question. We'll come back to this question in a second. I will say this. I'm not on the fence here, but I do see both sides. Like, it's interesting Charles's take on this when it's fully formed because in the Star Wars that we know and love from growing up, every place, every scene has some jive. If I ask you right now uh, what happened, you can you cannot just tell me what happened. You can tell me where, right? 
and that and that and like where it happened, how it happened, how the environment around it plays into it happening. You know what I mean? Indoor, Hoth, Dagobah, Bespin, like all of these different places, they have real meaning and real, like real significance, like in these places. I would argue that with the television shows, period, that has changed. Not just with this television show. I'd argue that if we're not on Tatooine, we don't really know where we are. Mando hops around a lot, and that's part of it because I think that what we're looking for here, because we're on television, the set pieces are just not going to be as integral to the story as they are when we're on when we're in the movies, right? The set pieces just they can't be. If they rely too much on the set pieces, then they will fail because the budgets aren't the same or they're getting the CGI from the kids at USC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Caltech homies working yeah, 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 overtime yeah, out there, yeah, bro. I'm just being for real. Oh, like, uh, let's be real. When young Luke was running on Tatooine through the mountains, I'm like, come on. Like, what are we doing? You know, like, so so bro, it's... You it, mean it, little Ron like, Howard? Like, like that. that is different. By the way, dog, there was a part of me at some point that thought they were going to have Luke do some force shit. Yeah, I was about, to, they, I was bro, about to show you. Oh, bro, 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 I felt it. I'm like, this nigga gonna turn around and lift a mountain or something like that. And then like, and, or, or, or blow her back. And I'm like, if they do that, it'll take me out of it. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. We do have to talk now about the Reva situation because... Oh, boy. If, if Okay, so we have to talk about the Reva. <laughs> uh, no one wants to talk about Okay, first of all, what's, what's, um, what is the name of uh, O'Shea Jackson's character again? Roken? Yeah, Roken. Roken. I think they set us up for to see more Roken. Roken leaves and he says, I'm just getting started. So I think we're going to see more Roken. Roken was fine. Let's not diss uh, O'Shea Jackson. Uh, no, I, like, shout out O'Shea, get your check. There were a couple acting moments in this where I'm just like, yo. You look my like man. him. Like you my man. Like, that could be your brother. Um, Jesus. <laughs> you look like him. Like, you look like O'Shea. Like, you and o, like, it's a, it's a reverse Olsen situation. You know how the Olsons are the twins and then Elizabeth Olsen is, is younger? It's like O'Shea is older and his younger brother, twins, you and your brother, you look like O'Shea. Um, so you have that situation, you have Leia. They they got rid of Leia in this episode, which for the most part worked. Um, but there was Reva. Reva, who was left alive for some reason. Still don't know why. You kill everybody. You kill people. You kill people that you never met. Okay. Snap their necks. I'll never forget Vader just snapping that kid's neck. I'll never forget. This is so brutal. And Reva tries to kill you with the lightsaber you leave her alive. Not sure. Can we also just point out, like, we got to do better? Like, why when it's a... Why when a black woman is on screen, if, like, they're going down the wrong path, we got to give them the Tyler Perry wig? Like, come on. Like, really? Like, she's going to get a touch-up really quick before she goes back to Tatooine? 
That's how we know she she's gone bad because her braids aren't done. Come on, she didn't have really. But she was she had a lightsaber through the. How did she survive that? Listen. What did the Grand Inquisitor say? Revenge does wonders for the will to live. It's nah, true. She, was, it, it, it she walked Maul, that shit off. It happened with Maul too. But at least Maul had to like be in the trash for years. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? At least he dug at least, himself out. Yeah, at least Maul had to be in the trash for like years and years. She bro, she walked it off, dog. She was tapped into the hater force. I understand. Think about Fennec. We saw Fennec. It wasn't a lightsaber, but like Fennec had to go through the shit to fix her stomach. It's literally like Reva is stabbed in the stomach one episode, and the next she's just walking around tattooing like bullying motherfuckers. I'm like, well, she guys, she she did have like the she was they hobbling. Did do the, she was hobbling because you know Owen got a couple of licks in there. <laughs> Owen was like, I got I some hits in. Owen, I ain't no punk bitch. I don't know what to tell you. Owen got some internet. No, I know that. Story-wise, come on. Owen? Okay. Uncle Owen and Beru being like, yeah, we we staying here. We defending our, yo, our farm. Yo, like, when, Beru, when, Beru, when Beru pulled out the straps, I was yeah, like, hey, yo. Yo. But, she pulled out the Draco. She's like, but, we ain't going but, nowhere, bitch. But, 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 to, but to this point, though, think about what kind of people they would have to be to endeavor to watch over Skywalker that entire time knowing Who's looking for him? They have to be brave. I think that I think that to me is like that's reinforcing of who they are, their character. If you drop Skywalker off to me, <laughs> bro, I won't even. My cousins used to be like, "Hey, yo, man, Van, this is a true story. Wherever you are, I love you, but I gotta tell the story." Like, "Hey, yo, man, Van, they trying to repo my car. Can I park my car at your house?" Fuck no. <laughs> I don't want nobody coming yeah. over here. Mm. Yo, Van, can I car- park my car in your house, bro? They go repo my car if I'm at the house, bro. Park that bitch at the mall. I don't <laughs> want to see them people. If you, hey, hey, if if you here, and then people ask, yo, is your cousin inside? Like, if you didn't tell me that they looking for you. You didn't give me the choice. I'm gonna tell them. No, like, I'm Damn, just you don't even need. You don't need, wow. even need a six piece from KFC. You snitching like that? Damn. I'm not snitching. Don't That's bring trouble. Don't bring trouble to my home. It's the I'm repo to, man. Who gives a fuck, Bruh, I'm. I don't know. Is the repo man with the police? I don't want to. I don't have no. <laughs> bro, I don't want to have no calls with the police. Damn, you can't park you my went, shit at your crib. You went in Oscar, and now you just like, yo, nigga. This you. is before that. <laughs> <laughs> this is years ago. What are you talking about? This is before that. I don't want to be involved. All right. If something goes down. I'll keep it. I'll keep it on the tuck or whatever. But if you gonna put me, my freedom in jeopardy, nah. And so I, I would never be the one to leave Luke with. You put him on the curb. You be like Reva. He'll be out on the curb, pick him up. Like you're like, hey, the Empire is looking for this kid. You gotta look after him. Hey Obi Wan, I'm not gonna lie, bro. You got a new son. <laughs> Name him Ben Junior. <laughs> like, like y'all could go around, y'all could go around using the force together, picking up rocks, building sandcastles with the force, all of that. So what I'm telling you is they are they these people are actually super brave and very dedicated and fighting a resistance of their own in a way by having Skywalker, right? This is kind of their way of resisting the empire if if you if 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 you're being honest. And so to me it makes a lot of sense that they would go to the lengths that they went to to protect him. Real tough that they end up getting burnt to a crisp by some Stormtroopers, though. Excuse Stuff. me. 
Does this not reinforce what I just said? I know. They put up a fight. Look I mean, you, nothing out. you're saying from a character standpoint, like, I'm not going to argue this. It was just that entire part of the plot. I was kind of like, why am I supposed to care? I have not seen Kid Luke since the first episode. Why are we doing this? And it's what the fact that we know that this will amount to nothing. Yes. It's <laughs> because we know that Luke will be okay. Also, and does we Luke know have amnesia? That he won't remember this. <laughs> like, does Luke have amnesia? Like, yo, Reva with her big ass lightsaber is chasing your ass. And you're never like, oh, f- blame it on the Tuscans, by the way. Tough look for them. Oh, excuse me. We have to talk about <laughs> the fact that the Tuscans had been exonerated <laughs> for all of their past stuff. And we just, yo. The Tuscans just got the short end of the fucking Tuscan staff again. It's right. Tough. It's tough. It was it was really funny how they tried to they had Luke passed out like that and he wasn't moving. They were supposed to make us think like, oh no, we lost Luke. That's crazy. What's gonna happen? And he like obviously wakes up and we're like, Yeah, for, for sure. Try appreciate the fake out, but uh I seen a new hope. Like it's just it's not gonna go down like that. Yeah, guys, we have to talk about the Tuscans. That that really was messed up, bro. Like right. that was racist as hell. That was, I, that was racist. <laughs> that that was that was racist. See, see now I'm thinking about that was racist as hell, bro. It's tough. You can't blame it's them. Tough. The Tuscans didn't do nothing, and this this is why this is why sand people just get like slaughtered. You know what I'm saying? Is is they always taking out? You know what? I want Taika Waititi. The show should be it should be called the Sand People, and I want to see four sensitive sand people just fucking take over Tatooine. Wait, do you think this was? Uh, a Liam Neeson's Liam uh, Neeson situation where like Uncle Owen's like, <laughs> man, y'all look at how y'all did. Uh, my my stepmom like fuck y'all. That's I'm why like, Qui Gon came back. He was out looking for sand people to kill. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he was mad about he was mad about something else, and he was like, he was oh, out. Man. He was like, as soon as we saw him, his lightsaber just zoop. This is some pile of sand people. I now we got to go somebody. back on Atlanta season four and apologize for that. Uh, apologize Wait, for that. No, but for real. That's the great thing about being a Jedi. You don't need to learn anything you don't want to. Right. <laughs> like, does Luke not remember this? What, how, what's happening? I mean, it's a traumatic event, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes as a kid, you just, you know, space out on stuff, you know? like oh, You space out on someone with a red lightsaber chasing you through the mountains as a child? Remember, he passed out. Maybe he don't remember. Maybe you know He did pass out. He passed yeah, out. but the... <laughs> Come on. All right, guys. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, what it doesn't. Do? It doesn't. It doesn't make yo, any Steve sense. And, Steve and I can't be the only ones who are literally like, yo, like this ain't it, making sense. It, yo, it doesn't make sense. They have been they've been very clear on the Star Wars canon that like it's fluid, right? These things it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. Can, I, I don't that's know what fine. To tell you. Canon can be fluid. Things can be changed and moved around and all of that stuff. That's fine. But like to know that this ultimately is a net zero. Mm. For all of this, <laughs> the moment that Reva steps on Tatooine, I'm like, well, I know everything is going to be fine. The most that we can get out of this is whatever her arc finishes out to be, That's which we thing. didn't made to care about in the first place. And I think it's not about them. It's about her, which, to be honest with you, Steve, is the real failing of this subplot. Exactly. Yeah. Is that we don't really care enough about Reva, or at least I didn't care enough about right. Reva. I won't speak for everyone to really be invested into her redemption at all. We would allow all of this to happen if we cared about Riva and what uh, ultimately becomes of her. But again, it just fell flat. 
Yeah. I, can I also ask you guys this from a canon perspective? So Luke meets Ben. Ben gives him this toy. From my, I, I have to go back and rewatch it. I rewatched it a couple months ago. Luke almost regards old Ben as like a kooky old crazy man who lives in the mountains. And I'm just like, wait, you met him when he was like a hero almost. Like he's like this, he's like this like old uncle figure. And like Luke regards him in a new hope, like this crazy old man, what's he going to teach me? So I'm just like, where? I mean, I think to, to Luke's perspective, I think he was just a guy that gave him a toy. Yeah, I don't think it was like that big of a deal. I don't, I don't know that he, he says, I know old Ben Kenobi. And I think Ben was keeping a, his distance on purpose, right? Because he could have easily went there and wild Luke, right? You know, like he could have, hey, Luke. I was just wondering because I was just like, wait, so Luke knows him right now. This isn't an old crazy man. This is like just a Jedi or he doesn't know he's a Jedi, but he's just fine. He's just a neighbor. It's like do, literally just a neighbor. Do you know what, do you know what of, of everything that kind of got to me? Being that she found him, it makes no sense not to let Obi-Wan train him now. Being that she found him, right? She was able to find him on Tatooine. They know that there are people out there that can find them on Tatooine and come get to Skywalker. It makes no sense to just leave him out there with, without skills that can protect him. I mean, it, 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 to, to me, I mean, he's 10 years old. I don't really like, I think Baru and Owen still feel like they're the best, uh, they're the best defense. Ultimately for me, like, and I talked about it last week, Reva shouldn't even be alive. Like, I mean, like story-wise, like forget getting stabbed in the chest. Like her storyline should have ended in episode five and all of episode six should have been Obi-Wan invader. Like him dealing with uh, Anakin and then coming back to Tatooine was just like, honestly, like kind of bleh. It, it, just, it, I don't understand the decision not to kill the character in episode five. It makes perfect sense to that. That's the end of Reva. I don't understand why? Unless they know something about the future of the character. Because be. Reva, Reva hasn't even done anything to be redeemed. The, so you get redeemed for not, not, you the kill for not kid. killing chi- kill children. Congratulations. Here but you, you go. aided and abetted killing countless. Do you know how many people? That's just what we saw. She's been with the Inquisitors for a while. Do you know how many people died for her bloodlust and not killing one kid? I mean, look, I get it. Lucas told Filoni, always put some hope in it. Hope is the the cocaine, the Star Wars cocaine that we that we sniff. The spice. Hope, hope is the space that. We, but I don't know, man. This is you got to remember for me. Vader did all that killing. He, you know, threw the Emperor off the the, the the new the new Death Star, and he came back as a Force ghost. You know what I'm saying? So it's different, though. First of all, it's not really different. If I'm being honest, it, <laughs> it's kind of not. But at the same time, if you destroy the entire Empire. I mean, you did it for your kid, but if you destroy the entire empire, like I could see maybe you one leg of a force ghost, maybe one of your legs could light up. Not the whole thing, but if you did, if you just if you destroy the whole empire, that's one thing. She just didn't kill Skywalker. I guess who is going to go on to destroy the entire empire? I don't know. Maybe the light side is just forgiving. You know, you it's brought really it up, Jomi. But if I'm going to be like, if I'm going to nitpick just a little bit, so what you were saying, Van. If I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm like, damn, if we would have gotten to Anakin a little bit sooner, this shit would have been better. There's like a reason that the Jedi are like, it's better to train younglings as young as you can get them. If I'm Obi-Wan, I'm just like, man, 
probably not a good idea to train the Skywalkers when they get too old because they're set in their ways and then they start killing kids. Shout out The Last Jedi. You feel me? Like, if I'm Kenobi, I'm like, damn, they already know. Like, let me just, let me just start training them in the Force right now. You can't, but, the, but it's not going to change. The Skywalkers have darkness in them. And but that's dead. what I'm saying. Why wouldn't you work with them when they're younger so you could start helping them control it at an earlier age? You could, but like if we go up, like, think about it. Jason Solo, dark side. Luke, turn to the dark side briefly in, 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 in Jedi, right? Then you have in, in canon, Ben Solo, dark. Anakin, dark. I remember I read something at some point that said that Plagueis actually might be Anakin's father. Because he might have manipulated the midi chlorines. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, like he might have manipulated the midi chlorines to get Shmi pregnant. And if that's the case, it makes a lot of sense, really, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. It all comes back to Palp. We talked about it, bro. Palp is the man. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Vader talks to the Emperor at the end of this episode. Vader suppresses his emotions towards Obi-Wan and vows to only serve Palpy. Palpy once again comes in. Um and gets everything together. By the way, is this Ian McDermott as Palpy? Yes. I believe it is, yes. Yep. Oh, wow. What do you think about this? Do you think that this, in, in a way, is the is Vader's last trial uh, to suppress the light? Until we get Obi-Wan season two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they, I don't think they can run it back for season two like this. I it's got to be something very it. different. It's got to be something I very think, different. I think that this is a good explanation as to Palpatine understanding that Anakin's real weakness is Obi-Wan. And if he's distracted and if he is preoccupied with revenge or justice or whatever he wants, he will not reach his full potential in the Emperor's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can tell the same story with Luke, Leia, Vader, the whole thing. Because then you start to talk about like the canon and like, so they was just messing around like those 19 years. They were just all hanging out. And oh, being no, buddies I want an Obi-Wan like, Kenobi story without them. Yeah. I think like, that's where you get. I think it's what you get if there's a season two, honestly. I actually think season two would be a lot better if we he was just off doing something else and he just gets to be Obi-Wan Kenobi and gets to be cool. And we don't have to ask a bunch of canon questions about like, how does this fit in? We're just like, nah, he's just doing some cool shit. It's like, well, let's go for the ride. 
bringing the Yuzan Vong for season season two. Yeah. No, seriously, I think season two because we know that there are a lot of other Jedi that you know are on the path. I think season two can, there's a lot of places they can go. I think they left a lot of things open for season two, and we're also talking about the beginnings of the Resistance. And <clears throat> you have to think about other Star Wars properties and how they might tie into an Obi Wan season two because we're talking about the very dawn of the Resistance right here. Uh, the Resistance is going to need. There's a reason why Leia thinks Obi Wan Kenobi is her only hope in New Hope. There's a reason why she thinks that, right? And that still hasn't really been, that hasn't, it, we understand now that she has she has a prior dealing with him, but there's a reason why. And so I think we can still explore that. Now, we're going to start buttressing up against a lot of other things uh, here pretty soon. And what we're going to get is a content sandwich, because right now we're still at the loose ends of it. But there's a lot of meat in here that we all know from Rebels and from a lot of other stuff that's about to start buttressing up against each other with some of these other characters. And they have to be a little delicate in the way that they do it, but I think they definitely could do it. I would be into it. Qui-Gon comes in at the end of the episode. New is coming. New is coming. He's, he's a force ghost, but he's out, you know, he's aged a little bit. He's fairly... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, we, we, we knew it was coming, so it wasn't like a total surprise. I thought we'd get him a little earlier, right? But I think it sets up, you know, like we said, a season two. And also, like, what he was kind of doing in those, those the remaining nine years, right? Because for me, my thing, so in Rebels, is an episode called Twin Sons, where Maul comes to Tatooine. He's like, I'm going to best Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's my time. And he's been training for years. He's been in the he's been in the gym, you know, three beats a day for five summers. Or hold on, five beats a day for three summers, right? He's been locked in, right? Maul been locked in, and Obi Wan dispatches him in three moves. Ba ba ba, you're dead. Sorry. And I was like, dang, Maul, you went out sad. What's going on? But if what I got from this moment with Qui Gon and Obi Wan was, are oh, they about to go back and train? Quagon's like, hey, man, you you see in the light now. And you've got so much more to learn. Let's go get it cracking. So Obi-Wan's going to go back to, you know, his little spot in Tatooine and start putting the hours again. He's going to, like, almost become, like, you know, Quagon's Padawan in a, in a different sense. So that explains so much of Twin Sons. That explains why Obi-Wan in A New Hope was like, hey, it's not my job. I'm going to just turn into a false ghost and dip. I think that informs a lot of what happens to Obi-Wan in the future. So I was like, pretty cool with Qui-Gon showing up. It's cool. I think it's interesting that he didn't need Qui-Gon. Like That's that my Qui- issue. That Qui-Gon was late to the party. I actually love that. I kind of love that. I, I hate to bring up the uh, age-old subverting expectations in Star Wars, but we kept theorizing that Qui-Gon was kind of going to be that emotional answer that Obi-Wan needed to like reset the clock with his like turmoil with Anakin and everything. But like, he kind of came to that all on his own. And at the last moment of the episode, it's like, Oh, Hey, yo kook, let's go and train in the light. <laughs> like, I, I love that actually. I mean, I'm going to be real. If you're going to promise me Qui-Gon at the beginning of the season, if this is going to be something that you're like, this is important. Because Who promised is- you Qui-Gon? He's literally ha- the the whole thing is like, hey, you need to reconnect with the force. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, if you're gonna promise me Qui Gon Jin in this, I want to see Qui Gon Jin. You did same thing. I you saw did him too. 
We all saw him, right? It wasn't like, like a, we weren't see, like. This is what that. I don't like. Like, here's if you are going to bring back these people, bro. Like, if this is going to be big, like this is Obi Wan Kenobi, bro. This is supposed to be an event, okay? Don't be cute about it. Just show me Qui Gon for more than five seconds. Do not be cute. Everything you said, Joe, me was way more interesting than anything that we got. So if this is the only Obi Wan Kenobi series we ever get. I'm going to be like, yo, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Give okay, me so the number meat. one, number one, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> yo, whoa, what's uh, wrong with me? What's wrong with me, man? Nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Continue, man. Absolutely nothing. I'm saying I haven't heard anyone ask for it that thoroughly in public in a while. You know? Um, uh, so let me ask you a question: Is it possible that they're looking? To a season two where the Qui Gon Force Ghosts is 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 more prevalent. It's and this was a good way of setting up the 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 the, the Qui Gon Force Ghosts, um, because in this particular story, the Force Ghost doesn't really have a place. Then why my my first question would be why put it so prominently in the first episode as something that like Obi Wan has to do. He has to reconnect to, with the Force. They drop in the fact that Yoda's like, you need to learn how to commune. That would be my first thing. My second thing is like, when we talk about Star Wars, and I love Star Wars, when we talk about Star Wars, we're always talking about it in the way of like, well, what comes next is going to be better. Or like this, they didn't do it on screen, but this is everything that's happening in between screen that's just as interesting if you think about it. And I'm like, hey, you want to know what's great? Showing me. And not telling me. By the way, that's not just Star Wars. That's fandom, period. We always yeah, talk about yeah. that is that is fandom. That's the MCU. But in the same way that we were all a little bit let down by Doctor Strange, a lot of it has to do with you guys keep telling me, but no one is actually showing me. Everybody keeps talking about the multiverse, but can you show me how cool it is? And when I when there's so much in this where I'm like, like, yeah, there's a tomb, there's a Jedi tomb. I'm like, all right, cool, there's gonna be some cool. Dead Jedi in there. No cool Jedi. Quinlan Voss. I'm like, cool, cool. Quinlan Voss. Yeah, you're going to... Don't show me Quinlan Voss. You're like, Qui-Gon Jinn. End of the episode. He's there for five seconds. I'm like, guys, this entire season is just them being like, look at the cool stuff that might happen one day. And I'm like... That's bullshit. Like, they they promise you a cool, awesome Vader fight and you got it. That is the bare minimum. That's that's literally like... That's literally like you being like... Okay, yeah, Steph Curry, like he just made a three. You should be happy. I'm like, that's no, the bare minimum. They promise that's you what I'm Vader for. fucking shit up and Vader fucks shit up. They promise you Reva on Tatooine looking for young Luke Skywalker, hunting him, stalking him like an obsidian skinned Terminator. And you got that. Charles, eat, eat, eat what you got. Eat what nah, you got, Charles. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Because man, <laughs> when when fucking Multiverse of Madness came out and you was looking all dejected at life, you wasn't talking like <laughs> just eat what you get. Like, come on, man. That's We're different not doing though. That, that was that was before. That that movie changed me. <laughs> <laughs> did that kick off the summer of no expectations? Yeah, that yeah. officially did. That yeah, did. That was before, Charles. I'm like, I don't. Bruh, I don't care, bruh. No, like they, no, they, no, that was Van, before. Van. No, you Van, see, not, I need you see, back. I need you, you back. You're Come not on. living this N E L, this nail, this no expectation life. I don't have them. You know what I mean? Nah, I don't have them, bruh. My on. favorite character is fucking uh, 
what's the what's the droid's name? Lola. Lola? Yeah. Lola's top three droid all time. Okay, anyway. Um, now, final thoughts on the season. Starting with Steve. I think that this is a good show. I think it is incredibly frustrating at times because sometimes it won't give you the thing that you want. But I think the thing that's, that it needed, needed, needed to do, it accomplishes by showing us the emotional catharsis between Anakin and Obi-Wan and how that really comes home at the end. That alone justifies its existence for me. Uh, good show. Really, like I'd say good, really good. Um, had one whack episode which seems to be like what we're doing. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it, at the end, stuck the landing enough for the show to be what I felt like was really good. We enjoyed, if we're being honest, the majority of Obi-Wan. We enjoyed the majority of it. So I think it's a good show. I think it's a good show. I think it's a really good show. If we're, if we're judging Mando, Mando like season two as great, Obviously, it doesn't hit those heights, right? Um, but it's a damn sight better than what Boba Fett was, and it seemed like it might fall into the Boba Fett trap at some point. You know what I mean? Uh, Jomi. The through line between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan is the highlight of the series. That thing is woven you know, nearly to perfection. But all the stuff on the periphery just kind of fall flat and bring down the, the show to be very honest with you. So I enjoyed the main story they were trying to tell. All the other stuff in the on the margins was very, very, very meh at the end. Yeah, I mean, I was I was up, I was high on this show in the beginning. I think a lot of these shows it's just getting difficult because it's just the business that Hollywood is in right now. Hollywood is in a business of content, 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 and things that you remember as being larger than life and cinematic and making you believe kind of in the power of movies and stories when you uh, transport them to TV and you have to make six episodes or eight episodes of them, um, I think a little bit is lost. And I think uh, as someone who loves this stuff, I'm just in a constant um, growing uh, space with being able to accept that, yeah, what you want from an Obi-Wan series you might not be able to get because of the format. And that's not saying that the show was terrible. Like the show did I was you. good. But it was there were some parts that I was just like, man, like we know who Obi-Wan is. We all know what we kind of thought an Obi-Wan series would be. And to not get that is a little it's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh will we get a season two of Obi-Wan clockwise starting with Steve? Yes. I say yes. I'm saying yeah. Absolutely. Are we doing a midnight meter ranking? Oh, let's do midnight meter. Fuck it. Well, are we going to go in reverse order now? Yeah, let's go in reverse order now. Midnight midnight meter ranking. We'll start with Charles. I'm going to give this a six. Uh, okay. Fuck. Okay. What? I thought that was pretty good. Okay. I'm going to give it a seven. Seven as well for me. I'm going to give it an eight. Oh, you guys are acting like a six was wildly like that's all in the same kind of a six. It's in a the same six. Kind of, there's two episodes in this that were actually kind of just like, why are they here? I, a six, bro. I'm, I'm not. A six was, is good. 
That's sixteen percent. That's that's <laughs> what's a fucking f. What? Sixteen percent. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're not grading it on school. If we are grading it in terms of just like schooling, that'd be different. We would get like a. It would get like a, a lot C about plus. your report card today, Charles. I like, give it an eight. I give it an eight. It's a revo away from being. You gave the book of Boba Fett an eight. Like, we know that. I didn't give a book of Boba Fett an eight. Did I? Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. There is a Twitter, right? The Midnight Meter. Shout out to the Midnight Meter Twitter as well. Yeah. Book of Boba Fett season one. Van, you gave it an eight. Van gave it an eight. (laughs) (laughs) You gave that an eight. (laughs) Shout out to the Midnight Meter. Keep it in, keep it us in check. Keep it us in check. Keep it us in check. Yeah, man. You gotta stick by that. All right, let's no, let's be real. I, with with some months, with some months, what what would be the I, new midnight meter ranking for Book of Boba Fett? Six. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. How much of that six is the two Mandalorian episodes? But look, in my defense, though, in my defense. The, the the Mandalorian stuff was great and I counted it as a part of the Book of Boba Fett because it fair. is a part of the Book of it Boba Fett. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? So that's the only reason yeah. I gave it a seven, right? Like, because all that Mando stuff hit. Like, it was Wait, what did special. I give it? Did I give it a five? I probably gave it a five. No, you gave it a six. Oh, By okay. the way. Wait, actually, I'm going to amend my score because if I gave Book of Boba Fett a six... Obi-Wan needs to be a seven. So I'm actually going to give it a seven. There's no way these two series were the same. Obi-Wan so I, 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 I'm looking at this right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I want to change my, my meter on the Batman. <laughs> no, we're not. We're no, not re- changing meters. We're not relitigating no, this. We're not re-changing <laughs> meters, bro. All Stay right. by that shit. Okay. Niggas <laughs> get caught up in the moment. How was uh, that not a 10? Nah, dog. It's not. A <laughs> wow. If we're gonna wow. be, we'll be here all day. We'll be it's here not, all day. Grabbing, it's not a, wow, interesting. It's not a ten, bro. Okay, bro. We'll reassess that Matrix Resurrection score, though. Hey, Matrix Resurrection score went north, buddy. No, 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 Can we get to can we get to nerd news? Right? All right, can we? Uh, I think we can. Can, I get, can we get to that? On well, this edition of Nerd News Minute, we're talking about the internet discourse over the recent "What If" one shot that featured Miles Morales as Thor. Miles Morales became Thor. Odinson and the ghetto shit commenced. <laughs> Apparently, there's graffiti all over Miles's Asgard. Uh, his Rainbow Bridge looks like, excuse me, his um Rainbow Bridge, his uh his Bifrost Bridge looks like the Brooklyn Bridge for some reason. He says different things. He says hammer time. He says hammer times. <laughs> Wait, can I read one thing he says? Uh, <laughs> of all, wait, whoa, whoa, let me read this to you real quick. Read it. Of all the five realms, Asgard is his hood. For Miles, you can see he's just that good. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying? 
Oh my god. Also, why'd they draw him like Odell Beckham Jr.? Like this I is know, he looks like Odell Beckham. This my, is egregious. Why, oh. My Odin's fade, man. Me and there got he got it's got graffiti on a hammer, dog. Why they do us this way? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's, I, I, I really have a question to white people. I, and, the, and the question is why? Like, why, why, why y'all do Steve, can you answer? <laughs> why would I have to answer for this? Like, why, answer why, for white people, Steve. Come on. Like, why, why do they do us this way? Like, there's nobody, there's no one that sees this and goes, nah, this is funny. Because this is a funny joke that you would make, right? It's like Yeah, a, no, it's like a parody of what you yeah, think you would yeah. It's like yeah. Miles Morales' Thor. Okay, uh, let's make him say by Odin's fate. Like, it's like, why? I don't understand. It is, you know, it, I don't know why they do us this way. It's really because we we say that we we say we want diversity, right? And then we see this and I'll be like, nah, that's straight. I don't want to. Nah, it's cool. Wait, it's, can I can I get up on my soapbox really, really quick? The thing that makes me so mad about this. To. So what really disturbed me about the whole Miles Morales store controversy is that sometimes I feel like it's cool. Like even us, you joke about the comic, you joke about Miles and how racist this shit is. But you have to think, how does this even get out on comic book shelves? Do you know how many a lack of black people you have to have within Marvel that this shit gets through? You think about it. Like, I'll ask you, yo, Van. How many black comic book creators working at Marvel and DC can you really name on one hand? Like really working, working. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not particularly good at that type of thing, but I can't think of any off. It's off the it's cup. not like there, and this is all shout out to like legends like Christopher Priest, you know, Dwayne McDuffie, everybody who's like there are legends for Reginald sure. Reginald Hunlin, not, yeah, Reginald Hunlin, like yes, but we get a few of them every couple of years, and my issue is, it is easier. Still in 2022, for a white cis man to write a comic book about a queer character, a black character, a Latinx character, than it is if that same marginalized community wanted to walk into Marvel and be like, hey, can you give me, can you give me a book with someone who looks like me? They'd be laugh you in their face and be like, no. But if a motherfucker, a white guy off the street is like, hey, can I write the X-Men? They'll be like, yeah, sure. That's a problem. We're in 2022 and you're telling me that black, like a black person, a Latinx person, has not been able to write Miles Morales for the bulk of his run, the bulk of his existence. Storm, X-Men, Black Panther. If they fuck, if they treat Ta-Nehisi Coates away, Ta-Nehisi Coates, one of our most celebrated Black writers, if he has to issue an entire feature on the way a comic book company treats its workers, there's a fucking problem. Charles, you're spitting right now. I think the guy who wrote this is Mexican and Jewish. He's not, he's not, he's not black. black. I'm not not saying this guy's white. He is not black. And that is the issue. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, Hey, ever only black people can write Miles Morales. What I'm saying is, is that if there are black people in power high up at Marvel, you don't get shit like this because you have people who can sensitivity read this. When you think about the history of like who gets to write black characters at Marvel, it is rarely, and same at DC, it is rarely black people. We don't even get to create the characters. And you have to think about it. We don't make money. Miles Morales don't do nothing for my hood. I'm not seeing nothing from Miles Morales. And I love that character to death. But if you can't get a black person or a Latinx person to write him the majority of the time, that's a fucking problem. Miles was created by Brian Michael Bendis. Yes. 
And Black Panther was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Stanley and Jack Kirby, right? So, you guys, we understand the inherent contradictions that are in this, but understand what what we're saying. Let me tell you why what Charles said is so powerful. I'll I'll take a lighter touch on it, but Charles is absolutely right. And this is something that gets him fired up like almost every other thing in the world. But like, but I'll take a lighter touch. This is corny, right? It's corny. Corny is the black culture that I represent from where I'm from. I I wouldn't say I represent every black culture because- Wait, where are you from then? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So corny is the antithesis of what we are. Corny is our Darth Vader. This is corny. Like, this is corny. They took this character and they made him corny. And the corniness of it is because of the caricature that white America thinks we are. And inside of this, in in that corniness, there's this insidious sort of lessening. This It's like if you take Miles Morales and make him Thor, the first thing he's going to do is put graffiti on his hammer. It's like... It, it, it's a, I, I, when I say I don't know why they do it this way, what I'm really asking is, how in the world does this keep happening? You want to know how it keeps happening? If we're going to keep it a buck? And here's the thing. Like I said, people are mad because the writer who wrote this is not black, but the way that they are describing black people, the way they're portraying them comes through a racist lens. And the reason it comes, that happens, it comes, it's, it comes across as anti-black. Yeah, because here's the thing, though. I want to ask creators all the time. I'm like, yo, have you actually, like, how many black kids have you talked to in the last week, in the last year? Do you actually, like, do you view black youth, which Miles Morales represents with a level of nuance that can allow you to write this character in a truthful way? That's not me saying white creators cannot write black characters. It's saying if you're not touching the community... If you don't have black people in your circle who are telling you like, nah, that's whack. Hey, don't do this. Don't do that. I can't trust the way you portray your characters. And I think the reason that this keeps happening, because if we want to be real, the reason I don't really read superhero comics like that anymore, every single time I would pick up a Luke Cage comic, that man was talking jive turkey shit in the 2000s. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Why why do white creators... Sometimes people do talk like that in Harlem. I'm not going to lie. Think about if think about if Luke Cage talked like Jim Jones, <laughs> Jim Jones from Harlem, bro. So like there's and, and there's and, and and here's the and here's the thing like as I as I think about it, Miles Morales likes graffiti. You know, I'm I'm, think, I'm I'm thinking about it. There's a line here, and I struggle to find what the line is. And I'm you want to so, know who gets to make the line? Black creators, black no. creators, like Charles is doing this thing. Let me tell you. You know what? Can I tell you something, Charles? I appreciate your brain. I appreciate I'm being serious. This oh, is, uh, I do. I thought you were joking. Steve, I need you to play Ringer verse heartfelt music. Oh. Okay. Uh, you, you put, put some in. Ringer verse heartfelt music because I give Charles his flowers. Charles is very passionate about this. And every time we get on this topic, Charles is very, very eloquent. And I'm inspired, Charles to work with you and to like this goes all the way back to the Spider-Man situation I'm inspired to work with you with the way that you represent for us 
no, wait, whoa, whoa. Let me just say real quick, not just for us. Can we cut the music real quick? I want to say this too. Like, yo, it's time to give these creators, like Marvel does this, DC does this. Yo, when it's Gay Pride Month, everybody wants to create like a Gay Pride comic book and you want to hire all of the gay creators and comic books. When it's time to give a gay creator Avengers or Batman or the books that like are big, that really matter, like don't tap queer creators just for the queer characters. Let them write a Batman. Let them write a Superman. When black creators, I'm not saying only black creators can write black comics. Yo, when it's Black History Month, don't just tap me to want to write the black characters. Let me write Superman. Let me write Batman. Like, I'm fighting for everyone in terms of like, yo, if a white cis man, if a white cis man can write black characters, queer characters, Asian characters, Latinx characters, why can't we do the same? Because right now, I would tell you, if you're a Black creator out there and your dream is to work at DC and Marvel, I'd be like, yo, take all that talent and just create your own shit. Because even if a Black person was going to do something with Miles Morales, it's not like they're going to get paid. They might not even get invited to the premiere, if we're going to be honest. Now the system's too, fucked you, up. The system you, is fucked up. Now you're getting too militant. Well, how am I getting militant? Because I'm trying to get to these premieres. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're getting you're getting much nah, too militant, man. you know. Nah. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. Look, this Miles Morales thing was annoying, uh, and it's gonna keep happening as long as there's no representation in the room. Not representation. Fuck that. As long as there's no power in the room, and power. creativity is creativity is power. The power to determine these characters is power, and it's just annoying. It's annoying to see uh, stuff like this happen, and it's annoying to see a character like Miles Morales, who is a light to comic book fans everywhere be treated in this way by Odin's fade. How dare you? Odin's fade. By Odin's fade. How dare oh, you? Also, I just, really quick for all the artists out there, dog, we got to start doing better with black hair in comic books. Like, have y'all never seen like a hair? Like, come on. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Like, just, just, we just do it like me, baby. This is oh, no. oh, hold no, on. No, we're I, not trying to make everybody look like Vegeta, yo. Come on. All right. That's enough. That's a wrap. This Thursday, me and Joanna, Joanna and Van are going to be back to give us, give you our reactions on the latest episode of Miss Marvel. On Friday, Joanna and Mal are going to be back uh, to give you their deep dive on the season finale on Obi-Wan. How long is it going to be, Steve? Give me your, your estimation. Probably three hours. Three hours. At least three. And on Sunday, mid-edition returns with their thoughts on season three of the Umbrella Academy. And I'll be honest, I'm actually more excited to listen to that than I was before we started because it seems like you guys are going to have a little sriracha. A little spicy takes? Spicy takes coming in. Mm, you know, not to, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we love Klaus. We love Five. Maybe a character or two might fall by the wayside. In between. Way by the wayside. Way Way by by the the wayside. wayside. Way by the wayside. I am so into this. I'm going to be running, running around, listening to Men Edition. Everybody listen to Men Edition this damn Sunday. Do not not listen. Uh, Producer Chris, our producer is Steve Allman Joy, the cuddly summer bear. Jomi, the explainer at dinner on You've Got Questions, He's Got Answers, hashtag Hot Jomi Summer on social okay. media. Ladies, All right. you Who's aren't hot ready. Jomi Summer is coming. Uh, like, ladies, you aren't ready it's for Jomi's Jomi Summer dots. Oh, my God. Can what? I open up with y'all? I know it's just the three of us, or the four of us here. So, like, can we just have a conversation real quick? I'm sure. I was on, I was on IG this weekend. 
And I got my feelings hurt, bro. I'm out the streets, dog. I'm out. You got your feelings hurt? What I happened? I can't do it, bro. I can't do it, bro. What, what happened? happened? I'm Jomi, out the game, happened? dog. Hold on, hold on. Deep shadow this. Jomi, tell us what happened. Hello, Ringiverse fans. I regret to inform you that due to the initiation of Deep Shadow Protocol, this bit had to be edited out of the pod. I know. I'm just as disappointed as you are. Thanks as always for listening. And the Midnight Boys, pew pew, we'll get back to you shortly. Jomi, we're, we're, this situation is over, right? We can say this. Maybe. Probably. Right. Maybe. No, Joan. I, Joan. Think, I think we got to you gotta love yourself. I think we got to call it. I think we got to call it. You gotta love I think right. we got to call it. Right. Time so. of death, 1143 Pacific. See, Van, this is why I'm... Van, this is partially your fault. Why? <laughs> why <laughs> is it Van's fault? You got to... You- Jomi, your man's down. I'm not in LA. I'd be like, Jomi, tonight he's going out. We hit in the clubs. Like, come on, it's a high Jomi. Jomi, don't be down for that. Jomi, don't be down for that. Jomi, don't be down for that. Come on. I'm on some real shit. Jomi, don't be down for that. Jomi, don't be down for that. Let me tell you something. We could do this. It's high Jomi summer. The summer just started. We just have to solstice. The summer just started. Man, get with it. Get, you know. Man, if I don't hear stories, if I don't hear stories next week, oh, you taking down. Jomi out. Come on. <laughs> It's, it's getting nuts. It's getting nuts. <laughs> no, Joan, uh, every every girl I'm gonna introduce Jomi to is gonna have a thigh tattoo. Um, <laughs> shout out to all the ladies out there with thigh tattoos, man. Oh my gosh! Um, let's see. Uh, now <clears throat> that's it. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to introduce to say goodbye to Arjuna. Additional production <laughs> is from Mr. MVP himself, Arjuna Ramgopal. Charles, take us out. My Miles Morales is black. My Lambo is blue. We're going to tear down the comic book establishment. We have to. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm going going to this place to have my hairline restored, y'all. No, you're not. I am. Wait, for, for sure. real? Yep. Nah. Yeah, was like, why not? I can't. I'm not getting... Don't worry about it. As you're a well-coiffed, full head of hair, you don't talk to me about hair. You know, you gonna like, come back looking like Jalen Rose. It, I'm into it. Why Why nah. would not, bro? Why would not? Hey, man, you do what you feel like you need to do, man. I appreciate you, Jomi. All right, that's when, it you're, when your hairline deviating, going up like up and down like the Stark Market every single Zoom, I'm going market. to bring it up. <laughs> what the fuck is the Stark Market? What are you talking about now? Stark Market. You tried to, to diss, right. and now it's Tony Stark's Market. Totally Stark's Stark market. market. The Stark Market actually would be a very volatile market. The Stark Market would be very volatile. That's worse than crypto. An actual Stark Market with different types of foods would be great. Remember, he has his IntelliCrops that, uh, that he has to help world hunger. Remember the they, talk about the te- they don't want to talk about the IntelliCrops. They don't want to talk about the IntelliCrops. He says, they don't want to talk about the IntelliCrops. We never saw the IntelliCrops. No. Does anyone have a picture of the IntelliCrops? Like, what is it? Nanotech? They're IntelliCrop dusting. They're IntelliCrop, they're, they're IntelliCrop dusting. IntelliCrops. We don't, we don't talk enough about them. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 